Have you or someone you loved experienced any of the following as a direct result of unexplained phenomenon? Loss of sleep, wage garnishment, loss of income, harassing phone calls, half-man, half-goat hatchet attack? Then you're entitled to protection under the law. Let the law firm of David and David get you the money you deserve. Hi, I'm David Francis Flora. Don't let those other paranormal law firms fool you. We know what we're doing, and we wear suits. Chupacabra f***ed up my truck. But thanks to David and David, I got checked for $587, which I parlayed into some sweet-ass mud flaps. Thank you, David and David. I had a poltergeist to be harassing me. He's off throwing my dishes, and then he felt me up. I called up David and David, and they got me a spectral restraining order and $533. Thanks, David and David. I had significant damage to the front end of my car after running afoul of a goat man. But David and David were able to get me a cash settlement fast, $593, which I used to buy some very attractive mud flaps. Thanks, David and David. We have an entire team of paranormal legals ready to work your case. Our office is full of desks. If you're ready to stop being a victim and start getting serious, then call the law offices of David and David. Not an actual offer. Is somebody making popcorn? Hey, hey everybody. I'm uh, I'm David, not Francis Flora. <laughs> and I'm legally recognized as David Stecco. Welcome to Blurry Photos. Indeed. We are representing you to get you the knowledge you deserve. You have the right to remain entertained. <laughs> oh. uh, Dude, uh, greetings from the winter of our maximum content. Right? Yeah. I, I see your little temperature thing on your computer. It says six degrees right here. Yeah. Yeah, it's because... Um, it's going to get worse is what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see what it's like when we're done recording. I, I'll tell you what. Personally, and then I'll go and walk home in it. Yeah. Personally, I couldn't be happier um, because I anyone who has to talk to me for more than two minutes, I'm like, oh, really? I do like that skirt. Did you know I was in Antarctica? I lived at the South Pole because this is what I like to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, so this is officially um, a holiday called Put Up or Shut Up. It's true. <laughs> New holiday. That's right. Uh, we bitched so much about uh, about the summer. Yeah. And now it's time to pay the fiddler whore. No, no. Now we're bitching about the winter. This is no, I'm not a, bitching. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Well, I'm not because I live for this. Sorry, bro. This, Sorry. Is, this is my dream. I'm fine with this. Okay. Your your radiator is fine with it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, guest starring tonight yeah. on, on the show. My pinging radiator. <laughs> Big Ben. Big Ben the radiator. You son of a bitch. <laughs> what do you think of that, Randy? Eddie? You, you, you think you'd like to go to that uh, restaurant to have dinner? Ting! <laughs> that was a very quiet... Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't like, want to go. It's a homebody. Uh, it's a bit introvert. That's right. But you know what? We're not. We're not. Uh, we, we came out here in this, this weather that's shutting down this city. Yeah, it's killing Chicago, but I'm into it. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about a uh, very interesting mystery yeah artifact literary item historical this is i i i texted dave last night i was like how do you categorize this fucking thing like yeah what is this i i i tried looking well i tell you what i went to a bookstore and and was trying to find uh, a book on this uh-huh. and i actually knew uh, the title the author everything except the category that it was in and I was just sort of, I just wanted to go and, and kind of, 
I I probably would have gotten the book if I <laughs> if I had found it. Uh, but I wasn't like I didn't ask anybody. I wasn't like, yeah. "Will you look at this book for me?" So I, I I walked around this place for half an hour and I couldn't find it. And I went to I went to history sections. I went to, to folklore mythology. I went to art. I went to literature. Everything I couldn't find. Did you check erotic literature? That's where I'm always checking. Not for this book. <laughs> Wink. Um, but it, it could be that they didn't actually have it there. <laughs> you know. But uh, I, I still was like, how? What? What does this fall under? I went with a historical manuscript. Is is that a is that a category? I mean, it is. If I decree it, so I guess so. Well. Uh, so, so tell them what they've won, Flora. We we are talking about very cryptically right now, but we're talking. I, about I get the feeling that people are getting irritated by that at this point. So the Voynich manuscript. Yeah, the Voynich. This is a very compelling little little book. It, it has come into light more and more so in the past few years. But kind of like uh, kind of like Yield Slenderman, it it's not quite out to the masses yet, although many people are like, yeah, I've heard of that thing. What, you know, what, what are you talking about? Because I think a lot of media outlets have picked up on it, you know, just for an interesting story. Yeah, it, because it is. It's fascinating. So, uh, so we're going to talk about it tonight. We're, we're a media outlet. <clears throat> no, we're not. We're better than that. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about uh, what this thing is, where it came from, what it could possibly be. It's hard to... Uh, to tell you what we're going to cover without you knowing exactly what it is, so yeah, I guess let's let's jump into. And I just I I I'll tell you right now, I'm trying a little experiment tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah just okay. just because you you've had such success uh, in the past, in the recent past. Oh boy, I uh, I downed a <laughs> Mountain Dew Code Red before we started. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, buckle yourselves in for maximum flora. <laughs> At, at one point, he had the bottle turned upside down, trying to drink it while laughing, just making the world's grossest lava lamp. <laughs> it was it was a hell of a thing to see. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so shamefully, that is true. So Voynich manuscript. Uh, this thing's got. It's, it, this is one of those stories that starts kind of in the middle. You have to kind of work in either direction. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh let, let's tell you what it is and then we'll we'll work we'll see which side to work on. Yeah. Uh it's a 240 some odd page book uh containing strange handwriting, strange drawings, strange diagrams. Uh I think the the word to describe it would be strange. Awesome. Oh, shoot. Idiot. Yes. <laughs> you lured me in. <laughs> um it's been recently radiocarbon dated to being created between 1404 and 1438 CE. Whoa. And that's with a 95% certainty yeah. on those tests. The the testing was done, I think, in 2009. So yeah. pretty recent. And by all accounts to date, uh, it has never been translated or deciphered. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting in that it... Um, a lot of the characters are used. I mean, like if you looked at it, you would think that it was just written in another language. There's a lot of characters that are that are from the Arabic alphabet. However, if you were to look at it, your your first impulse would be that you could, like, oh, I I don't I don't speak this language, but this is a this is something just written in another language. The problem is it's written in no language. Mm. 
at least no no language that is currently known. Right. Um, and it's it's got a lot of really interesting things. So the the script of the entire text of it, uh, with the exception of a cover letter that was written in Latin. Right. The entire text is is so far yet n- never to be deciphered. No one right. has ever cracked that. The um, uh, diagrams and and pictures in it mm-hmm. are of plants that don't exist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in some cases of of interesting um uh, sort of astral astrological yeah um uh, diagrams um some of them do contain like uh familiar symbols like symbols from the zodiac yeah, yeah. For, uh, you know pisces and things like that um so it is it's it's fascinating because it's so close to, to, to something to something but it, it's so far from from being anything yeah it's a word that's on the tip of your tongue. It's it's something yeah. that's that's just you you know you know what it is or you you know what that smells like, but you can't put your finger on it. You're ah, <laughs> I know that smell. What is that? Where have I smelled that before? The book the book itself is uh, nine by six and a half by two inches, so it's it's not huge. Yeah, it's not not teeny tiny, but you uh, put it in your book bag. Yeah, nice little nice little thing. And some real pros, some real professionals and experts in the fields of ciphering, of linguistics, of mathematics even, have tried to decode this thing mm-hmm. and 100% failure. I, I, I don't think, I think failure is a harsh word for this. Right. It, it, it denotes that there's something like, it's like a test or something and, and that I don't think that's... Right. There's the entire possibility that this is 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 gibberish. That yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And this, I mean, that's led to so many theories on on what its purpose is, uh, and it keeps it near the the top of the modern day mystery list. I think. Yeah. I mean, just the text alone has gone through so many attempts um, from so many different perspectives. I mean, in there are people who are are, are cryptologists as a hobby. Um, even the people who do it professionally, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have, there's, there's clubs inside the CIA and the NSA that they, these are guys that just get together and they try to crack old codes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a math game for them. It's a puzzle to work on. And they, people have been working on this since, uh, the U S built some of its first, uh, supercomputers. Yeah. yeah. Supercomputers that d- designed to crack codes. Right. Right. And it didn't work very well for them then. And, and they, uh, even, even down to like the manner in which this is written. Um, again, this is why it's so fascinating that it, um, when you have uh, anything, any encoded written information, take for example, you can use um, letter frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, e is the most frequently used letter. Mm-hmm. You'll hear, hear that a lot. And so now, now again, in English, is, in right? English. Exactly. <laughs> this is assuming you know some sort of Romance language translation, because even in um, in other Romance languages, E is the most common letter. You can you can you can say oh well here's our frequency so boom this right here well, every time we see this symbol we're we're dealing with an e right um, that doesn't hold up here the other interesting thing is that all Romance languages our most common words are very short um, like the a of and of, yeah um, those kinds of words they the majority of words tend to be shorter mm-hmm. and I can see over time why that is it's why. Even words that were longer cannot has become can't. You know things like that. We sure. we 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 shorten the things we use a lot because we're lazy. So lazy, predictably lazy. So that's the podcast. That's yeah. all we did. Uh, I'm tired. Bye. <laughs>
You ready to do a pun? Um, pun this one's called Pun Fun. Lis- <laughs> listener mail. Thank you for it. Goodbye. Listen to Stumble Pun. <laughs> One of the interesting things about the Voynich Manuscript is that the um, frequency and size of the words in it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, it, does, it doesn't match up with what we know about Romance language. Yeah, longer words are more common, yeah. it seems. And so, and again, all of these things are very easily explained by saying, well, if, if it's a language that we don't understand that has an etiology that we don't know of, sure, why, why the hell not? But, I mean, how? good luck cracking it. Good luck, asshole. <laughs> Idiot. It's written on vellum, and vellum is parchment that's made from calf skin. And it was written with, uh, it's pretty well concluded, that it's... Uh, written it, by the devil himself. It was written by the devil. Drop us. That was written with a, a quill pen and ink. And the text is comprised of uh, what looks like fancy loops and, and simple slashes. And almost every page on it, or, or, or many, many pages on it, contain one or more illustrations which uh, makes it uh, real fun to look at. Yep. You can look at it right now if you uh, go online. Yeah, you it's can online. Go, uh, and, and find a PDF of it. Hey, and what uh, what fancy pants uh, a highfalutin-ass library uh, happens to be in possession of this fine manuscript? The George Bush Library in Arlington, Texas. What? No, uh, it's currently in Yale's Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library. Nice, Yale. Yale. Yale, yeah. I'm sure that there's lots of people who have that Harvard, t-shirt. no. <laughs> Princeton, never. <laughs> Brown, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the illustrations that I mentioned they are they're drawn in bright shades of green, yellow, blue, brown, and red. Very very vibrant colors in this thing, even though it's old. Uh, and many of the pages fold out, as in folio fold out, like a mad fold in. <laughs> I love those things. Maybe that's why nobody can read it. <laughs> Maybe that's what they need to do. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. It's just like, a big picture of the Pope's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on us. There are also um, mathematical figures uh, here and there, apparently, too. Sweet. I don't know if that means formulas or just uh, computations or numbers or, or what exactly mathematical figures. Number stations? I, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Do but. it. You're so tough. Graphologists. Ooh, nice word. Say, uh, it, it looks to be written left to right. Yeah, yeah. They, they said that the, the way that the letters end indicates a... Uh, yeah. To me, looking at it, it looks right to left, but I'm no graphologist. You dude. are not a graphologist. <laughs> and I'd thank you to keep your ignorant opinions to yourself in terms of graphology, because you know what? You're just putting good people out of work with that. <laughs> I will. I'll keep my ignorant opinions to myself. It's thank gotten me God. in trouble before. Based on what looks to be the subject matter of the drawings, the manuscript is divided into six distinct sections. First one, section one, botanicals. This section has drawings of 113 unidentified plant species. Mm. Although I I feel like I read in another place that uh, some of the, the plants look familiar. So maybe it's not totally unidentified. Anyway, most of them, weirdo plants. Section two. Astronomical and astrological charts. 
this was you you were mentioning this Mm -hmm. you get uh suns moons zodiacal figures Shooting stars and clovers. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> and new red balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and juvenile diabetes. <laughs> Whee! <laughs> 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 Section three. Biologicals. These are this has uh pictures of small female nudes. Oh la la. Uh, many of them with swollen abdomens. Whoa, so you know they like to party. <laughs> that was okay. Sometimes sometimes my mouth gets ahead of my brain a little. That that joke was less than I'm better than that. Not much, clearly, but and not not enough to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there, there are also uh, pictures of of strange tubes and, and capsules, and you know they like to party, and they like to party too. Section the fourth. This section, you get nine cosmological medallions. They're described as cosmological, although some people have have speculated that they maybe could be geographical forms or something as that maybe. nature. They could be dra- Dragon Balls. Dragon Ball Z. I honestly, I just made a joke. I don't even know what that show's about. I don't either. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I don't lose any sleep. <laughs> this is on a a folio. This one this one folds out and uh-huh. you get a just it, it kind of looks like a big map of 333. Three, three like the inside circles. of like a National Geographic where they put a sweet ass map of Antarctica in or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's correct. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that one's uh, that one's interesting. I want to look look at that one some more. Yeah, yeah. Close up it's, and it's, stuff. It's hard to like. You know, we have a week for this, so it's hard to like really go over each plate. But every all the ones that I saw were 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 fascinating. Yeah. Section five: the return of section two. <laughs> Pharmaceuticals. This uh, this section, uh, you get over a hundred different medicinal herbs and roots. At least that's what is uh, speculated to be. Ooh. They look like stuff that, that could be used in medicine. Mm-hmm. Section six, the quest for peace. <laughs> the undiscovered section. This one, people have said, is uh, what's called a recipes section. This one doesn't have any illustrations, or, or if it does, it's very few. I think it's mostly just pages of text. Huh. And and people have said that it, it looks like different pages of recipes. So now, how do you how do you get there? Right from not being able to read the fucking thing. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I don't know nothing about this, but this is really recipe. Look, see right there. That's where <laughs> I'd put a quarter cup of cumin. Right. <laughs> One interesting thing about the whole thing: there are no mistakes in it. It's all pristine and looks to be very well either thought out or constructed because the writing goes around the pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one of the ways that they say it's it's written from left to right is that the margin is on the left mm-hmm. and it looks like the sentences are shorter on the right-hand side and stuff. So that is points for that and points deducted from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you can't win them all. Oh, I've got something to cover my ass later. Nice. Hold on. <laughs> but yeah, there's no there's no mistakes made in it, which 
that'll that'll crop up a little later. Yeah, we'll come we back to that. That is circle back. That I mean, I don't know. I remember when I was in third grade, we had to write a letter, and it had to be perfect, and it was like the worst day of class for what everybody. A, what a strange assignment. Yeah, I forget who we were sending it to, but it had it could not the have president any, of Uganda. It couldn't have any erases. It couldn't have any mistakes. And to ask a third grader to to write a full sheet of paper perfectly, I mean, everybody was just working on it all day. And like the first kid to get it done, everybody hated. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's no easier when you're an adult. <laughs> I mean, like, think about this. How, even just try to type an, an entire email without hitting backspace, without having to, to fix anything. Like, that's not easy. And with a quill and ink? Come on. I do it all the time. <laughs> now we're going to turn it a blast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sorry to Tori. We didn't mean to steal your stick. <laughs> didn't mean to steal your stook. <laughs> so by now you're probably wondering, why is it called the Voynich Manuscript? Yeah, where'd that come from? It is derived from the Polish-American antiquarian bookseller, Wilfred Voynich, who came by it in 1912. Which just seems lame. I mean, it could be named after anybody, but they just stop there. They're like, yeah, good enough. Uh, Things 400 years old. You're just going to name after the guy who picked it up in the early 20th century? Right. Well, well, another another thing we'll circle back to as well that adds to the intrigue. Ooh, I do so <laughs> love intrigue. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely certain on the pr- pronunciation of, of Voynich. Um, I noticed that you're you're treating it voinish, as though I've, as though he's got some voin, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've heard it that way, and I've also heard well the the popular way to say it is voinich. Yeah, it's what Real I'm doing because I am a I'm a sucker for the people. I want to be what's do what's popular. I want to sit with them at lunch. If if you say voinich, nobody's well, very few people are going <laughs> to fault you. I think, and also I mean the most people will be like, bless you. No yeah. one's gonna know what the fuck you're talking about in the first place. So, yeah, let's let's start that circle process of, oh, of coming back around yeah. to some of these things we've dropped. Some of these breadcrumbs. Hard to port, Captain. Uh, <laughs> Show them your larboard side, darling. <laughs> Every last scrap of duck on the wind. <laughs> you got to play Assassin's Creed Four. Apparently, dude. I You've do. You got to play it. Let's talk about where it came from, then. Yeah, or try to. Its origins are completely unknown. What? Completely, dude. Like we said, the radio carbon dating has it back in the early 15th century CE, but uh, that is the vellum on yeah. which it was written. And vellums get scraped historically all the time. That stuff's expensive. It's hard to come by. Yeah. People repurpose it exactly the same way they repurpose canvases. And and it's a good thing to to keep something, too, for a long time if you... You know, want something to last. The vellum's a good way to to do it. True mm-hmm. vellum. That's that's something to keep in mind. Store, store that in your old mind chest. <laughs> uh, Man, we're we're asking the listeners to do a lot this week. Now, store that fact. We'll come back to it. Don't lose it. It's thought to have originated in northern Italy. That's where it was found by by Wilfred Voynich, but that it, it's not necessarily where it was created. It's 
I, I think a lot of scholars are are leaning towards northern Italy as as a place of origin, just based on certain things that they have come across, like Italian or German influences in what was it the some of the drawings or or yeah something something about it in there real Italian easy had had like that uh, had similar aspects of it to other um, works and manuscripts mm-hmm. at the time. And this, and the other thing is that uh, historically, at this time, um, you know, let's just let's just say four hundred years ago, two hundred years after the beginning of history, right? <laughs> anyone keeping track of that? Um, <laughs> this kind of document was very popular. Yes, um, these things that had, uh, oh, this here's some things about um, herb lore, and here's some things about astrology, and, and manuscripts and, in general, mm-hmm. il- illuminated, illustrated. Yeah, and this was a, a popular subject. You know, this is the people were very interested in in like forgotten knowledge or 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 you know secretive knowledge that right. maybe only few kept over hundreds of years, and or maybe from the far east. Exactly, and so. And these were particularly popular in Italy, which is, again, why they kind of lean towards it being of Italian origin. Yeah, this was a, a, they they call it uh, conspicuous consumerism. (laughs) Did you come across that? Where you buy things that you want people to see oh, so yeah. that they know you're, you're cultured. Dude, I work at a fine art auction house. There you go. I, I, I can afford my rent because of this. <laughs> it's commonly concluded that the first owner on record was the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II of Germany, who was a collector of wondrous whatchamacallits and fantastic futzits. All items arcane are unknown to man. Bring unto me, and I shall remunerate you for their fine. And the funny thing is, he was real shitty at remunerating. <laughs> I, I like that. You can you can look up info on on this dude, and and it's like he promised to pay this much, and he only ever paid this much. <laughs> oh, what a dick! He he was a he was a a, a big bag of them, but um, he liked collecting weird stuff. I think he had some kind of zoo of of exotic animals. Was it a menagerie? Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, uh, but this was uh, this was around <laughs> this is around sixteen hundred that that he would have uh, come into contact with the the Voynich manuscript, and the story goes that John D who was a prominent scholar in the English court of Elizabeth I. This dude was, I think he was considered the most learned man in England at the time kind of deal. He was like one of those. He's right. also an occultist, also an alchemist, Duh. also an angel communer. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to do one, why stop? Why stop, man? He's a polymath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Angel Communer, that's that's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing from, from me. He worked the latter part of his life on communicating with angels and, nice. and the, the language of, of God and, and stuff like that. So, what? John, John D., look him up. It's yeah. a, he's, a, he's a fun dude. Now, he's a queso fun dudo. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't... Code red, dude. Code red. <laughs> Goose egg. Goose egg, bro. <laughs> 
All right, moving on from the ignominious John D. Uh, so John D. visited Rudolph II and sold him the manuscript for six hundred ducats. Evidence, though, is scant for this. Here's why people think that uh, Rudolph owned it and and John D. was involved in all the blah blah blah. Uh, it's based on Wilfred Voynich's discovery of a letter inside the manuscript written by Prague scientist Johannes Marcy. Yeah. Johannes Marcus Marcy in 1665, which claims it was sold to Rudolph. Hmm. People have, people have dug into this, and apparently John Dee's diaries, the things that he wrote, never mention this. He never mentioned having, having the manuscript or selling it to, to Rudolph, uh, nor do records of Rudolph himself. Oh, well, and I don't know. How, how, how inclined were these guys to keep that detailed? Of- they, they were just beginning to. Apparently, Rudolph was famous for having pretty good record keeping, uh, which can, I think, still be found in Austria, maybe. Oh. But he, he had his oddities cataloged, too, I believe, and nothing like this was, was found in there. Unless it was, I, th- I think they, I think what I read said something like, if it were considered an alchemical book or an herbal book or something like that, either it wouldn't be included or it would be um, mixed in with something else that that would make it pretty much impossible to find in his collection. But because this thing does, I mean, what if they have the same problem that we did? And they don't like, know what it was. Yeah, like yeah. Well, I don't know where does this thing fit. This reasoning, this uh, um, story that that Rudolph got it from John D. is thought to be a bit stretched. The truth of it, because Voynich himself wanted this thing to be traced back to the Franciscan friar Roger right, Bacon, because he's he's a book dealer. He, he yeah. needs it. He needs it to have an, an established provenance, and the farther back it goes, the more valuable the book is. Exactly. And Roger Bacon's a big deal. Yo. Yeah. Everyone loves Bacon. I did that. So Rudolph owning it is more up in the air than I think people are aware of. Yeah. I I, I think people, I know I did like, when I was doing my research, I had already looked through a few different things that just listed this as part of its factual life. Right. And it was only, you know, later on I started running across people going, well, it's alleged uh, that it, that it's not as cut and dry as it is. Right. I mean, unfortunately, the Voynich manuscript, like so many mysteries, people's attempts to to research it muddy the waters because everyone wants to be the definitive word mm-hmm. and so they'll you know they'll say things as established fact that aren't right just like you get a lot of translations of it this yeah these days that people think they they have cracked the code they haven't and there's the the, the other thing that we don't think we've we've discussed this yet just for a the a, the briefest of of digressions is that people are 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 they're putting a lot of eggs in this manuscript's basket. Yeah. They think that like the secrets of the damned universe are in this thing. Right. I mean, and it's because you can't read. Right. You know, uh, like, and yeah, that's, that's something uh, I will circle back and touch on too. If, if there's one piece of paper in a safe, well, it has to be a treasure map, you know, like, right. Right. Yeah, you know, so I, people, you know, there's, uh, there's a really great, um, YouTube video that you sent to me online hosted by the, the magnificent, William Shatner, who is awesome. I love William Shatner. It's recently done, but uh, the, like the whole thing has this great over the top sensibility where he's like, 
the secrets to life and uni- and the universe, perhaps even aliens lies within you know like they just state for oh, fact yeah. that like somehow we know that this thing is the the keystone be all yeah right and it's you know come on yeah you no one knows what's in it, it could, right could be the recipe for chicken in a bucket <laughs> it could be a coloring book that some baby scribbled in some dumb really baby. really nicely <laughs> 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 all right so voynich uh also uh claimed to fi- f- have found a signature scratched out on the first page uh when he put it through some x-raying or, or something something to where he could uh you know see what had been on there yeah and the the signature apparently read Jacobus Zetepens oh my god he had the balls to write that this guy was the court chemist slash pharmacist for Rudolph <laughs> where's my, where are, where's my court chemist <laughs> that's awesome i think he also had the the official title of uh something like royal distiller or something like that oh yeah he, he'd mix up uh alcohol and herbs and give it to the we call that bartender now <laughs> uh anyways it came to his possession around 1610 most likely but people went through and found some uh, uh other stuff that zetepinish have had written on his signature mm-hmm. compared them didn't look the same Oh, so further bullshit. I mean, well, we learned this last week that uh, just because you x-ray something that is an old document, that doesn't mean that happened. Right. Apparently, the trail actually gets a little little bit more solid circa 1630 uh, when it was acquired by Bohemian alchemist George Barish. And then we'll, we'll just go down through the, the list here real yeah. quick. Um, around 1645... It was acquired by this Johannes Marcus Marcy, the the Prague scientist dude, who gave it to Athanasius Kircher, a good friend of him and a Jesuit, I believe. Around 1665, though, uh, disappeared, and nobody know nobody knows where it was until it showed up in 1912. Boom! So it's it's uh, bopping around for a good it 250 years. It went on an years. amazing adventure. <laughs> it it learned who itself was. Made friends with a pack of bears. Yeah. And it, all it, it wanted was to did be a lot of stuff too. adopted. Tried ayahuasca. <laughs> uh people think that because uh Athanasius Kircher was uh, a Jesuit, they think that it was probably passed around uh Jesuits around Europe. Somehow it, it stayed in their position. Because in nineteen twelve Jesuits in northern Italy sold it and some other books uh, of oldie time disposition yep. to Wilfred Voynich to raise money to repair their Via Mondragone. And uh, I, I, from all accounts of this, uh, Voynich made out like a bandit on this deal. Yeah. In uh, 1961, after Voynich's death, it, was, it went from his wife to a woman by the name of Anne Nill, then... Uh, was sold to an H.P. Krauss, and then in 1969, Krauss donated it to Yale. So, Yale has had it since 1969. It's been in the modern... Keeping it safe from them. Goddamn hippie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways, that's uh, that's the history of it that, that we quote, unquote, no? Right, I mean... I'm comforted by the fact that they've done a carbon dating on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, in, in, granted, even that only gets you so far as as proving the age of the vellum itself, right? But it's it's just it's fascinating. Like, I'll tell you what I want. This is what I want to have happen. I don't want it to have the secrets of the universe because I, no man should have that. That's right. I don't want it to have. Uh, I don't want it to have like mind boggling knowledge. I think like I think that it is entirely cool enough on its own merits. Like, what if? It's a completely legitimate document mm-hmm. in a language that is extinct, passing down knowledge from a people that are extinct Ooh. about local flora. Yep. Not you. <laughs> uh, that is now extinct. You know, right. like what if it was just like sort of a, this, this time capsule that just, it just made it, it made it out of this age of people and someone, you know, through changing hands, it finally, that last person was able to write it all down mm-hmm. and then boom, it's just out in the world. I think, I mean, I think that's cool enough. Yeah, it would be. I mean, if, if that were, were proof that, you know, an ancient peoples existed before we thought there was ancient peoples. I mean, maybe the fuckers at Gobekli Tepe were writing this thing out, you know, maybe, but I mean, not even necessarily like some vast ancient civilization, just a, just a small tribe of people or, or group of people that had their own language and that had maybe they had a horrible climate change, and so plants that were alive in their area, yeah, that were unique to that area. I mean, you know, it would oh, be yeah. fascinating. And we'll, we'll get back to that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about possible explanations. Oh, I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there because that's that's what I like about this. Let's run down a quick list of uh, who could have possibly written it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first subject aliens. <laughs> You didn't even have time to to put the Savlaki on the really pita. needed to get yeah. <laughs> Thank you, thank you for just just blowing me. <laughs> we we need a, a very irritating button to push. Oh, that, man. that's just aliens. we do. So so go do so that. get on there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know that I've made it clear enough times on the podcast that I'm just the side of useless. If, if something needs to get done, it has to be the flora side of the equation. Uh, I uh, this is not the number one suspect, but it's it's got to butt its way in there because uh, this is because we don't know what it is. So yeah. aliens. That's and I that's mean, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Is this is did did uh you know, Yo- Johan. Strats Jolinini get abducted by aliens. Oh. Was he taught a bunch of things? He tried to write it down as best he could. Yeah, yeah. In their language, was sent back to become a gibbering village idiot. I don't yeah. know. Or, or did they come to help teach mankind? Because mankind was so wicked, <laughs> so very so deliciously wicked. wicked. <laughs> yeah, this is like this. This. This whole thing is just like the the design schematics for some ion drive, and we just don't get it. <laughs> that would be funny, but um, yeah, it's just like uh, here are plants and and other stuff that that's on our world. Here are star charts for how to get there. Yeah, that's that's one of the theories that's yeah, that's, that's out there. And I it, mean, and it, it's, it's always <laughs> it way its way to the front of the line. It's always going to be one of the theories, no matter what we're talking about. <laughs> it's always going to be one of the theories. But just slightly less improbable than aliens. Bring it. What's the next one? And I know that you, as a listener, have been thinking this. Uh, oh no! Do I? Uh, oh, I'm putting. I'm putting. Uh, I'm, I'm putting Floor on the spot here. He has to get inside of all of your minds now. What? Well, if if everybody's thinking of, uh, oh, 
All right, I'll, I'll play your game, you <laughs> rogue. I'll pray wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Voynich himself. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking? No. Oh, shit. Well, I was going to save that one. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So so it blew, blew the Voynich wad, but um, <laughs> what if he, he manufactured it himself to sell for... A mint? Yeah. He cool. makes up... He makes up a whole bunch of uh, history for it. Yeah, yeah. Makes a fake cover letter. Well, I think it would be very hard to acquire the vellum. Right. And have it be dated that old. Unless you are a European antique books dealer. Do they do they just have vellum sitting around in Europe that's like, eh, we, we not use this anymore. We just keep it in the vault. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I... I see, see. <laughs> No, I actually have a great example of this. We have um, at the auction house. We there was this guy who was buying Italian, very old Italian um, manuscripts um, and in bound volumes of, of information from. And this stuff was dated from the mid fourteen hundreds all up to the the mid seventeen hundreds. He was buying it. He'd ship it to the U.S. and resell it. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, some of the things that he's selling are popping up on Interpol lists of stolen. Oh antiques boy. yeah um so this guy gets super busted he goes to ultra jail <laughs> and uh the fbi is involved but we at the auction house ended up getting all in and for years they would run they ran ads in um european book collecting periodicals if if you are missing any of these volumes con you know that kind of uh, thing uh-huh. trying to trying to repatriate a lifetime of stolen uh books wow. and manuscripts but that still left uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things that no one ever claimed. Can I have one? Well, it's too late. Uh, we actually did auction them all off. But Story um, of my life. Uh, most of them were paper on the inside, but they were all bound in vellum. So the vellum was blank? Uh, yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Or? Well, it, and you can scrape vellum. You okay. can, that's, and that's what a lot of, uh, uh, historically, a lot of people would, would reuse vellum multiple times because it was valuable. You could sort of uh, soften it mm-hmm. in a high envir- uh, humidity environment and scrape it if you were very careful and just get that. that I mean, because again, it's animal hide that right. you can get a layer of the layer of cells off. Can't do it too many times, I suspect. Exactly. <laughs> and and the, the vellum is a very high quality in this book. I mean, it's very thin. Yeah. Um, it folds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just as just giving you as, okay. as a heads up, so there. I mean, so the dating of it is not doesn't necessarily rule out. No, a person, and it's just like a art forgeries. I mean, um, people who are very serious about forging art will get a canvas mm-hmm. from um, you know sixteen eighty four. Okay, they will they will get these things because they're y- y- Europe was a very a prolific, prolific society yeah. as far as creating documents Especially and things on the like Renaissance. that. Right. You could you can get that and you can find something that is uh documents that are not important. Um shipping lists, receipts. Oh yeah. Um things that were written down at the time that have no historical significance anymore. Love letters. Right. Ooh. And and so if you were if you were an expert on these things and hell bent on making a forgery, absolutely you could get a hold of that. Hmm. Okay, cool. Well, because people do it now. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. So uh, what about uh, Roger Bacon bringing the bacon home? He is only mentioned in this letter by Johannes Marcy. And uh, Voynich himself was, like we said, very hopeful that Bacon was involved in this. 
and I don't think there's any other clues that point back to to Bacon. And B- Bacon, I believe, wasn't he around before this would would was this, uh, dated anyway? Yeah, and there's there's some there's some speculation that it's it, the uh, the cart leading the horse that it was Bacon's correspondence that establishes the existence of a manuscript. Yeah, something that was out there. And so again, if if following the narrative that Voynich uh, wanted to create a forgery, boom, I can yeah. say, oh no, here's the thing where he references it. Right. You know, like you that's that maybe that provided that a little extra cover for him sure. to 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 fake it. Uh, what about John D? Well, first of all, I don't trust anybody whose last name's just a letter. The pornographer. <laughs> all them little naked ladies running around. That's right. Except for Sandra D. She was delightful. <laughs> uh, John D. was a collector of books. He had a- Mr. T. He's okay <laughs> by my book, too. He's a little rough around the edges, but I think he has my best interest at heart. <laughs> Sorry. And I just love Q from the James Bond movies. <laughs> and M. Nobody loves him. <laughs> Not even him. Um, he he had a huge library. Mm-hmm. Did like collecting things. Maybe wrote it and claimed it was Bacon's uh, just so he could sell it. Uh-huh. Again, comes back to the money thing. You know, this these were very popular collectors' items. Prominent bankers and and such richy riches of the day. Yep, would have paid uh, good money for this. As many as six hundred ducats. Exactly. <laughs> Now, one thing I want to point out that we hadn't talked about that was actually, uh, they, they did a cool little thing about this in that um, Shatner video, that faking this, not as easy as it seems. It's not easy for a human being to write gibberish. Yeah, if it were, yeah, fake and, and gibberish, yeah. It's exactly the same way where if I say, hey, um, speak to me in Japanese right now, and you don't speak Japanese, you'll make a few sounds that you think sound Japanese, and within five seconds, you will instantly start to repeat those again. Yeah. You can't, yeah. it's the same reason we can't, like you can tell when someone's not speaking the language, even if you don't speak it, you can tell when they're faking it. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a trick to our minds that we very quickly, since we don't have any, anything, any guiding at all, we will instantly start to repeat similar phrases and sounds. Um, so writing something in gibberish is the same thing. And uh, the, the the Shatner video had some cool things about how a person could achieve this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. using very simple techniques. But um, but even even the faking of it, even just writing it out, if it's a totally made up language, is a very uh, complex thing to do. Right, right. To stay with uh, John D for a moment, like I said, he was a an angel communer, always looking for uh, the language of of the angels and and. Um, <laughs> That sort of thing. Well, maybe, maybe he made it up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he wanted to say this is the book of angels. Yeah. You know, this is the knowledge that was passed to me from angels. Angels. Well, you've got a guy whose thing it is is to find the language of the angels. He finds a manuscript in a language no one can speak. Angels. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's a. There is nothing complex about that line of logic. Right. Right. Um, all right. How about Jakobus Zetepinich, the the court, uh, yeah, uh, rum rum slinger. Um, he w- he was a specialist in herbal medicine. Uh, although there's that old whole signature debate. Yeah, did Voynich uh, also manufacture that signature and then scratch it out himself to uh, add credence to it? Exactly. And also, if you go through the effort to encrypt 
an entire document to make it untraceable to you, mm-hmm. then sign your name at the end. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe he changed his mind. He tried to scratch. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe he was drunk. He's like, I did all this work. People need to know. Yakuba did it, and then the next morning what he was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> scrabble, scrabble, scrabble. Uh, and the last one I've got. Um, my God, if I if I invented this on my own because I didn't see it in online research. Okay, keep going, keep going. Fae folk. What? What if it's uh. Written by uh, the fairies for Fairyland. The, the, the f- <laughs> <laughs> what if, you know, you know what I mean. You know you, the stories that you get of people being yeah. taken to. Um, you learn some the things from the, the fae folk. Fae. Maybe yeah, these are the plants and you know their language. Maybe it was like some Tolkien. It was high elf. <laughs> uh, but that's I'm just throwing that one out there. What what do you have that I that I'm missing here that apparently everyone is thinking? <laughs> yeah. By the way, that was. Me saying, well, if I thought of it, everyone has to be thinking it. That was, I'm sorry, I put that on you, everybody. And even actually, even Googling this didn't come up with much. So I guess I'm just a, my own. Google, so unreliable. I'm, I'm my own, I'm my own crackpot now. Surviving manuscript from the people of Atlantis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, if we're out there, which we are. Why, why not? You why know, not? A uh, lost language, a lost people. A lost uh, set of plants. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I did think that, and I didn't write it down. So good. I'm glad you brought it out. I mean, there's even a secondary information. There's people, I mean, take, for example, the Andorans. All right, I'll take them. <laughs> take them all. Andorra, tiny, tiny micro country in the Pyrenees Mountains between France and Spain. Okay. The Andorans very rarely leave. They speak an entirely unique language hmm. that is unlike anything else in Europe. And people people say, oh, well, maybe they're Atlanteans, you know, oh, whatever. Listen, yeah. But it's a very interesting thing. So there hmm. you go. I mean, you've got people in, in, in the European region that have this these weird little pockets of very unique information scattered through Europe here sure. and there. You know what I... When I... F- when I sat and looked at the the script mm-hmm. for this, the the how how it's you mean written. the script for this episode because we write up an entire script, we just read it on the Correct. microphone. <laughs> Correct. What a nightmare that would be. <laughs> when I Dave interrupts, <laughs> when I looked at how it was written, it, it put me in the mind of some other type of writing that I've seen before, and I wasn't I wasn't sure. I started going through and, and searching. I, I think it was something along the lines of a a, a southeastern Asia type of uh, old writing, maybe huh. even an Indian, an older Indian, not Sanskrit, right? But something from from that area. And I tried to compare them, you know, with, with images online, and I wasn't getting exactly what I had in my head. But you know what? That's kind of the Voynich manuscript stock in trade is to be so close to something you recognize yeah. to, to constantly be like, oh, I, I just swear I've seen this before or right. something like it. Like you're, it's always so close. But there's that whole theory that's come out recently about Atlantis actually being in the Pacific Ocean around Indonesia and, and that area. And mm. if you want to tie in with the, with Atlantis, that's a little easier than this coming from the Atlantic Ocean, then I think that that'll lead you. Yeah, to, that'll to do that. it. That, but anyway, yeah. So, so nobody knows who wrote it. There's some theories out there. I I checked Yahoo Answers. Did you? Yeah, and I'm I'm very disappointed that they're just there's nobody out there saying that it's um 
Ramiel who channeled this. <laughs> right. It's 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 all far more buttoned down than I wanted it to be. So thanks for nothing, Yahoo Answers. Boo earns. Well, <laughs> let's talk about some real. Let's really quickly because we're running out of time. But okay. let's let's talk about what what it it could be. What what is contained in its pages? We we mentioned this. What if it's a real book of arcane knowledge and spells? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It doesn't mean they work, but it could be yeah, yeah. A, a small religion's book of, of, of spells and incantations. Sure. Could be alchemical text from a secret society. Yeah. Because they, they would write encrypted uh, messages, codes, and, mm-hmm. and things like that so that they wouldn't get persecuted for them. Right. For thinking different than the norm. <laughs> <laughs> What if it's an old uh, Renaissance farmer's almanac type of thing? Yeah, it just has phases of the moon, some yeah. things you want to look for in your fields. Farmer's almanac. <laughs> Could be just a simple botanist's handbook or a medicinal uh, guide kind yep. of thing. Could be knowledge from another world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've mentioned this, another dimension or come from angels or aliens. Could be, it could be a work of fiction deliberately, not as a hoax, but just a complete work of fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I I like, there's a, there's an XKCD uh, comic on the, on the web that talks about this as being a, a, an old timey D and D guide. (laughs) Yeah. See, cause they're like. Think about it. It's a it's a weird book uh, of charts and and graphs and and stuff in a weird language with drawings and things that people have found hundreds of years later and they can't read it. What what else could it be? True. I it's, give them points for that. It, it it's a much funnier comic than I <laughs> me telling it. But um, no, tell me more comics. What if it's uh, just a big old hoax? Yeah, a lot of people lean towards this one. I know I do. Do you? You think it's a hoax? I mean, here's the thing. I think it's uh, either a hoax now or it was a hoax then. I mean, it might be that old. Now, even even though we've said how expensive vellum was and, and how yep. how much you know of this there is in there, how pristine everything is and, and how hard it would be to, to do it. You still think it's uh, it's hoaxy? I do, I do. That that issue we talked about earlier about the fact that there are no mistakes in it, that there's no scratches on the vellum, there's no parts where something was omitted. Mm-hmm. You don't that, think it could be? I mean, that is that is so statistically improbable that, and if this was a document so important that it had to be perfect, there would be more ancillary documentation of it. A source, you mean? Uh, or, or just more discussions of it, like what makes it that important? Who was it intended for? Those kind of things would be would be much more uh, prevalent. I think. I think there would there would be more information on it. Mm-hmm. The fact that it has no mistakes and it makes me think that. I mean, that's that's going too far. I mean, like, like that's just so improbable and unlikely given how documents were created then. Even though it could be a copy of something else from earlier. Even copies were all done by hand. But I mean, illuminated manuscripts don't have mistakes. Oh, they do. That's the point that they, but they're scraped out. Well, okay. And so, so they're not, they're not visible, but, uh, an academic, you can find them. You can, you can find those, those, those spots where something was repaired. I mean, all copies were done by scribes and these guys, their life sucked, man. Yeah. Yeah. They just sat at a desk and scribbled all day by candlelight. Yeah. So it's not like, um, 
Well, there's. It's also been thrown out there that this is glossolalia. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah. is uh, um, we've, we've talked about that before. automatic writing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's someone somebody channeled this uh, where you know some higher being took them over and and just did this. But he, I mean, I, possible. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not the worst idea on earth. But at the same time, if that happened, there again, there would be I think an accompanying document. Hi, my name is Arthur J. Haversham the third. On the 23rd of April, I sat down to eat breakfast, and when I woke up, this was in front of me. It was written in my handwriting, but I think this is the word of God brought through me. There would yeah, be... there would Maybe. I don't know. I just don't feel like anybody would just Let have it go. that. Yeah, and just say, well, that was weird. Read it, do. Hmm. What if, uh, what, what if they, they were illiterate otherwise? What if they couldn't read or write, and they're just like, well, this is in front of me? I don't know. I yeah, don't, I mean... They, is that witchcraft at that point? <laughs> Yikes. Well, anyways, I saw in one of those uh, things, I don't know if, I think it was a video that I that I watched online, which they, they have a couple of documentaries, which you can take with a grain of salt because they are very produced. And if you're very lucky, you'll take it with a grain of Shatner. Uh, that they, that said there, there may be two styles of writing Ooh. Uh, in there, which is interesting. Also, people have proposed that it could be read with a what's called a carden grill, yeah, which is a uh, piece of, of Anything, cardboard or paper yeah. or whatever with little squares cut out that you place over the page, and then you that'll give you the letters you need, right? And there's, then you move it and, and get more letters. And yeah, such. there's so many so many means by which this could be a cipher that you could uh, you know like the, the carden grill. It's better than a substitution. They would have caught that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's funny, it's actually, that uh, that card and grill is actually how you can also make a gibberish. Make a gibberish. It's, yeah. You know, you just lay that over, and then you're you're generating random letters. Yeah. Constantly. So to pick back up the number station thing that we mentioned, what if there was a one time pad that was lost? Oh. Something akin to a one time pad, you know, where it was like, this is the translation of it. This is what this means. And, and if you don't have this, you're shit out of luck. And right. we don't have that. The most shit out of luck at that point. So there was a 2013 study that suggests that was last year, dude. I know. Last year. Uh, that suggests that linguistic patterns in the manuscript are consistent with meaningful writing. So if it were gibberish, they, they definitely knew what they were doing to at least uh, fool you into thinking that they were actual words. Right. And so, I mean, I, that see, that right there is the one thing that makes that pulls me back from the edge of Hoaxburg. Yeah. From Hoaxatopia. <laughs> Hoaxville? Hopeful, <laughs> Alabama. That's right. Um, I like I like the the extinct language yeah. theory. I think you know something from from a uh, an old tribe or or group of peoples that lost uh, that that lost life. Right. Yeah. They, they lost everything. They lost. There's there's no good ending to a group of people that lose their language. And and so we don't know what it is, but it was something that meant something to someone. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, yeah, people don't know if this is a, a different language or if it's a cipher or t- shorthand. That's what makes it such a good mystery, and this mystery inspires people's imaginations, and that's why it could be the secret to the Stargate that right. is in your garage. <laughs> it's the secret to the, the seventh <laughs> chevron. Yeah, and uh, and people all over 
there are many, many YouTube videos where people have deciphered this thing and they know oh, exactly yeah. what, what this is and how to get to Alpha Romulus 6. <laughs> Tear is lean. Anyways, that, friends and cohorts... And lovers. ...is the Voynich Manuscript in an indecipherable nutshell. Yeah, in a, in a vellum nutshell. So... Let's go to something that is also very indecipherable and, and frustrating and mysterious. Puns! Now, uh, our astute listeners will know that last week I, I just seized the initiative. And so I shall seize it again! No! And then cede it to you, Flora. Oh, Dirty. Yeah. You got me hopes up and you shot them down and you got them back up again. <laughs> my hopes are Lazarus and you're like, Jesus, land hands on them. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just give us the damn dirty puns. All right. I've got a cheap food. It's a food that's really, really cheap and, and inexpensive. It's got a bunch of mystery ingredients. Uh-huh. Uh, if you if you turn it over and look at the label, you can't even tell what's what's in this thing. It's just the words are indecipherable. It's the Manwich manuscript. <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> I I also have a uh, a literary tome that has existed for hundreds of years. Okay. Um, it, it is illuminated. There's many um, pictures of, uh, again, plant life, but larger plant life, trees mostly. Oh. Um, and it's uh, about how to climb trees, how to establish a, a concealed perch so that one might look in windows. It's the Voyeur Manuscript. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I like it. <laughs> I was going deer hunting for some reason. I, I don't know why I was. Hmm. All right, I've, I've got a, I've got a, probably a double play. I'm, I'm. Ooh, wait, that's bad for you. Yeah, we established bad that. for me. This is what happens when a professional alchemist or herbalist uh, creates an easily readable codex uh-huh. that um, was supposed to be indecipherable and contain knowledge of the ancients that no one should have. If they created one that's just everybody can figure out and it's not a mystery at all. They were sent to the John D league. Oh, wow. <laughs> that had sports and it was a reach. I like that though. No, you know, full points for ambition. Okay. Cool. I like that. I'm, I'm really okay with how that turned out. Uh, the other thing I've got is we got a new sponsor. We do. Yeah. It's a 400 year old, uh, recipe. It's something that was added to uh, all kinds of dishes to enhance the flavor. But it was actually made um, by a gentleman uh, named Jacobus. Okay. Uh-huh. And it was very pleasing uh, to everyone. And it was uh, made with um, smashed up olives and some, some oils and spices. Oh. It's the uh, Jacobus Tepanade. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ancient recipe. Delicious. It's very. It's delicious. Delicious. You, you won't even know who made it. <laughs> That's how good it is. That's how I prefer all my food. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bonus one. You want a bonus one? <laughs> Please bonus me. Okay. I I got a, a very sleek sailing ship that's got a, a very strange design. May even be made by aliens. Really? Yeah. It's the Voynich Catamaran Manuscript. <laughs> you can't judge a bonus pun. <laughs> no, you and can't. that may have just saved your life. 
Puns in the bonus zone are not subject to any 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 judgment whatsoever. No, it's, it's like the wiener race at the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you can't judge that brat for no. falling down. <laughs> you know, you know who else you can't judge? Listener, Listener <laughs> those kids just cracked the code. Uh, man, first up, uh, well, we did. We did get a we got a cool suggestion. We're, we're gonna go. <laughs> oh man, arugula. Sorry, I got to get my kicks when I can because it's usually me doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we got a great email from Greg Bach, who, by the way, did a fantastic stand-up set. I saw Greg Bach. Yeah, as he did came I. to town, mm-hmm. and hell came with him. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him Greg's coming. It was a great show, so way to go, Greg Bach. And he gave us a great show suggestion that we are going to investigate. Oh, uh, we also got uh, a great email from Flipper, who wants us to know that I, I mentioned in our last episode uh, that photo that was popular in the news. Flipper, yeah. Faster than lightning, no one you see is faster Wait, than is this, she. Is this actually Bashar writing it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it doesn't say namaste, so okay, I think okay. we're okay. But that apparently uh, scientists have weighed in on the issue. Now, last time I read this, it was still hotly debated, but apparently it's been put to bed that the item in the vacation photo that was seen in the wave was a uh, dolphin. So when you were talking about the the Slenderman episode yeah, there where there's a picture in the news that, that, that someone had taken when they got home, they looked at it and it was like, oh my God, yeah. a shark by my children. But it was a dolphin? Dolphin. Okay. Interesting. And uh, I mean. More I, adorable I, than scary. I got to be honest. I kind of think that maybe uh, Flipper has an agenda. I get the impression that Flipper is trying to push some sort of pro cetacean agenda on our podcast. No, no, and no. Everything's everything's going to be dolphins from here on out. That's just a dorsal fin. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Flipper. You always think dorsal fins are agendas, dude. <laughs> Calm well, down. that's just the way I was raised. You ain't seen what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Welcome to this fancy feast ding, where ding, I call ding. you to dinner with my beer bottle and iPhone. That's much better. My iPhone did not work as a wow. dinger. Hey, Grey Cat. Fancy feast. He's the king of the holidays. This you is know great. what? I'm actually feeling okay about this lack of a King of Halloween certificate only because I think he's getting a lot more out of it. <laughs> Than he you're, would have otherwise. You're, you're probably right. There's yeah. a lot of mileage going on, but yeah. you should still send it to him. I know. I, uh, I'm not letting myself off the hook. I can't. I don't have the the authority to the do Hollow that. The Hollow Earth certificate is wonderful, so you you should All you right. should pony up. I'm gonna <laughs> have to. He gives us uh, he gives us some puns. Oh, bring them. He says a guy who travels around making false and damaging statements about people, is especially Dave Stecco? especially children. <laughs> it's me, it's Dave Stucco. Especially children. Is called the Slander Man. Oh yeah, I like that. A faceless robot from the year three thousand called Bender Man. Hey, <laughs> fueled on liquor. A suit store for men who are unusually tall and thin called the Well Dressed Slender Man. Ooh. A bartender with six arms called the Blender Man. <laughs> and. And Greg Cat says he's sending all those in from work so he can hopefully beat Greg Bach to them. <laughs> oh, I like that. I, I, there's one of these. I mean, 
we've got we got Grey Cat, we got we got Bob the Painter, and we've got Greg Bach, like all just really, really mixing it up. But here's the thing. <laughs> out of nowhere, we get like Josie last week with just just comes yeah. in out of nowhere. Blam. Yeah, yeah. Hits it and quits it. it. I love it. I love it. it. Thank you, Grey Cat. Oh my god. Speak of the paint coated devil. <laughs> You're not the devil, but you are seductive, Bob. <laughs> Our buddy Bob. Hey, Bob. Bob. Uh, Bob's his own man. He's his own boss, which is honestly the best situation on earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he loves to listen to podcasts, and he loves to listen to ours, for which we thank him profusely. But he's he started playing this game where he'll listen to other podcasts, and the minute they <laughs> the the word blurry comes up, he stops and then listens to an episode of our podcast awesome. and then goes back to it, which is fairly elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, he, but cool. But yeah, but by this by this rule, he gets uh, about uh, two of our episodes a day out of that. Wow. Yeah. And so he's just surprised that people use the word blurry as often. It is interesting. It is. <laughs> blurry is not a not a word that I would, I feel comes up in my lexicon every day. No, not at day. all. So thank you, Bob, as always. Yeah. You're magnificent. That's awesome. And everyone else, take a take a note from Bob and, and uh, play the game yourself. See, yeah. how it, see how it does you. Make a game out of it, then try to beat that record. And... <laughs> Bob also gets us some info on what we were talking about peepholes in the old Slenderman episode. He says the reason you never look through a peephole on a door is this. If someone's trying to ghost you, all they have to do one night is come to your door and ring or knock and watch the light coming through the peephole. And when you come to the door to look through the peephole, it'll block out that interior backlighting. And the assassin slash painter with the silenced gun outside will know you're looking out the peephole and blam. Or more accurately, (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I will, I mean, the bad guy will be able to easily put a neat little hole through the door and your head. That's why you should never look through a peephole. Thank you, Bob. But he says, if you must look through the peephole, the one thing you can do is first hold something like a book up to it. And see if it gets blasted before you try looking through the death hole yourself. <laughs> Just a friendly little safety tip from my, Paint and Bob. My my door has a death hole. <laughs> I love that. And that is amazing information. Actually, very useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Bob. That's that's uh that's great. Everybody keep a book by the door. <laughs> uh Taper, I always Hey Taper. I you know what? Like if there is a research arm of blurry photos which honestly should be us but it isn't <laughs> uh it's taper taper always brings it home taper is like the the actual earnest research librarian of blurry photos and for a person who enjoys factual data i'm surprised he still enjoys our podcast <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that taper he hits us up i was wondering uh as was mr flora uh in our last episode about the slenderman where they came up with the phrase creepy pasta because it just seemed like such a random weird ass thing yeah and uh, taper, I can't imagine didn't suffer getting this information, like because tracking this down meant going to 4chan. I've heard about 4chan, right? I haven't been there. Don't but go. Apparently, it's it's just a, a playground of uh, the um, worst people on earth. Yeah, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> uh, and he went there. It is a uh, a website. I don't know. It's it's like an image posting site. It's it's kind of like a, a horrifyingly disturbing. Uh, Imgur or Reddit. I mean, okay. even like Imgur and Reddit are are afraid of 4chan, and rightfully so. Huh. There is no filter. There are no rules. Okay. There's, I think, a lot of pictures of naked old people. Oh. 
It's just in my mind, that's what I think. Uh, but apparently, uh, one of the interesting things about 4chan is that it, nothing gets saved. It every, every, you know, people post things and it just kind of eventually gets pushed off the edge and disappeared. Okay. Well, somebody started um, starting to collect these like posts and stories, and they would get reposted by copy and pasting, and then they were called um, copy pasta because the copy paste huh, okay. of this thing. And of course, With if it's creepy, screen, yeah. creepy pasta. So thank you, Taper. That actually makes sense, and and yeah. and you. You brave fortune. You are stronger than me. Well done. Well done. Unless you're into that, in which case you should go to jail. You should be arrested or see a professional. <laughs> we uh, got an email from Connor. Hey, Connor. Hey, Connor. Hey. I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> got some uh, Got some good puns from him. Uh, also, possible solstice holiday names, Sexmas uh-huh. or Triple Xmas. Ooh, Triple Xmas I like a lot. I like that one too. I like that one too. Also, uh apologize for this. We we did uh, miss upon one week from him. He says it would seem that skeptics of cryptobotany can't see the forest through the trees. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm sorry I missed that. Yeah, I, I dropped t- that one. Ugh. Uh he's also he said if a global flood were to actually happen, he'd he'd like to see how well Bear Bear Grills would fare uh without his filming crew. Oh, you know, I, I tell snap. you what, I, I like Bear, Bear Girls all right. I think he gets uh, a lot of crap for for what probably the Discovery Channel has a lot of say in. Yeah, uh, I think I think the dude does a lot of lot of his own stuff. But I don't want to fight him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight him. But you should check out on uh, there's there's a cool YouTube video of him doing Legionnaire stuff when he was younger. Oh. He, he went and like did Legionnaire boot camp kind of thing and. It's crazy because isn't it, is is it the big debate? Is it Bear Grylls versus Survivor Man? Yeah, I can't stand Survivor Man because I think he has no charisma. You know what? I this is what I think, and it's not fair to either of them. You know, Bear Grylls, everything's kind of set up so that he can demonstrate right, things. Right. But I mean, I think he's for real. I don't think he's right, bullshit. Right. But they're not going to let him get hurt. Right, right. Survivor Man takes the tactic of no, you just have to go out there and make it work, which means that the show ultimately is not nearly as entertaining because. I've watched a lot of episodes of Survivor Man, and that guy has tried to catch a fish in just about every episode. And that motherfucker has never <laughs> bagged a fish. He has tried so many ways of making fish hooks and nets and and rock pools. And man, that guy never eats a fish in his life. <laughs> Interesting. And, and so it's not his fault. I mean, because that's what happens when you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Most of the stuff you do doesn't work. <laughs> so it makes for a slightly more boring TV. But I I, I discredit neither of them. I think hmm. they're both very good at what they do. And I would. Uh, I when the coming apocalypse, I will try to track them down. <laughs> right. Connor also says there's a new infomercial spokesman that has been making the rounds lately in the style of the late, great Billy Mays. This tall, slim newbie sells the greatest, most powerful mixing, crushing, pureeing, liquefying home appliance around, earning the nickname Blender Man. Oh, Ray Cat beat you to it. Oh, man. Never had that before. Yeah, I like that. Interesting, interesting. Two puns enter, one pun leave. (laughs) (laughs) Punderdome, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Slenderman erotica when tentacle porn just isn't enough. So true. Ugh. Because of the way Aleister Crowley violated so many goats for so long, generations of parent goats had told their kids of this boogeyman, thus creating an inborn self-defense mechanism that activates when humans rush towards them, giving us the fainting goats. And if you haven't seen fainting goats, go to YouTube right (laughs) Right now now. and look for fainting goats. They're adorable. It's adorably hilarious. (laughs) 
he also calls us out because Ooh. we did not uh, get to the penalty box like it's we true. promised. It's true. And I apologize for that. I forgot the computer. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> about that. We're fixing it. We're, We're fixing, fixing it. Because it we've, we've racked up further indictments <laughs> in the intervening time. So He also uh, wonders if, if we screen the, the, the puns that we get. And... Uh, this is this is mostly my bad for for forgetting or or looking yeah. over some of the puns that that have been sent in. Most of the puns get through ninety nine percent. If it's if it's too crass or or off I don't, I don't the, know that I've ever wiki wall. I don't know that I've ever pumped the brakes on crass, but there has been I think in the as long as we've done this, I would say ninety eight percent of puns get through. Okay, I think there's been like once or twice where we're like we'll read a pun and we just can't figure it out, like we don't get it. Yeah, it, I, to me, I, I remember. I mean, this is this is how few times it's been because I can't even think of of when it when it has been that we yeah. filtered them. It's definitely been, I would say, at least eight months since we've not read a pun. Yeah, but, but I mean, and I think I think career we're at like two, maybe yeah, three. that that we haven't actually. Yeah, every read. now and then we'll get one, and we're just like, I don't, I don't get it. So, and also keep in mind that we had that huge email debacle. Right, at the end right. of summer where we lost a bunch of stuff. So if, if you don't hear your pun, send it again. Cause sometimes we miss it in the, in the, in the, the crush of all our listener. Mail. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if it's, if it's not super crass, then it's probably that we're just idiots and, and glossed over it. So, yeah, and I'm still willing to read the super crass ones. Just want to put that out there. Uh, thank you, Connor, for, for sending all that in. Yeah. Thank you. I got an email from guess who Dave, who Bahama mama. Oh, sailing, she takes me away to where I'm... Hi, Bahama Mama. I hope everything is tropical where you are. <laughs> uh, Bahama Mama sends us suggestions for the uh, the, the Yuletide uh, sex holiday. Um, <laughs> number one, T-L-N-O-T-Y-L-F, the longest night of the year love fest. Okay. What is that if you just put it into a word? Uh, Tlunotalf. Tlunotalf. Number two, the half holiday, because it's 12 hours of celebrating. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. Number three, surprise night. <laughs> yeah, I like uh-huh. that. Number four, and her personal favorite, uh-huh. love festival. Ooh. The, the love festival. It's kind of like the love boat. Dude, are you? The love festival. So we'll be making another run. Thank you, Bahama Mama. Those See, are some good people ones. People are taking it seriously. I love it. Yeah, me too. We're, we got some options now. Oh man, I like it. I like it. I like. I like all of Bahamas. Uh, Bahama Mama's ideas because they can all be put on a card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, Smith is real hard to talk to Hallmark about. But Talonadif, we could get that put on a card. <laughs> we could, yeah. Uh, thank you, Bahama Mama. Yeah. And you know what else I like? I like that she's making sure that it's about the love. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't think I didn't notice it. It's subtle, but I appreciate it. Thank you, Bahama Mama. And we got one more, right? Yeah, we got a, a magnificent uh, email from uh, our friend Sheila. Who, hey, uh, Sheila. Uh, took, and, and we're, we're going to the penalty box on this one. We're going to the penalty. And I'm, I'm afraid that I bought us. I bought us a trip. <laughs> Up the river, <laughs> um, and one thing, and she is, she just, she's absolutely right on this. I try very hard when we do, whenever our our dalliances and the unexplained start to rub up against a Bible. Uh, you know, having grown up in it myself, like I, I feel like I'm being very balanced, but I'm not. I'm not, and mm-hmm. uh, and so 
uh, we could definitely do a little bit better job of, of, of especially when we were talking about like uh, um, the the Christian view of flood myth, for example. That there are a lot of denominations that all have slightly different views of it, and we were focusing on the the God as the Punisher, as opposed to she pointed out Noah as the faithful. Sure. Um, you know, taking it from the other side, which we failed to do, and 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 for that, and for uh, multitudinous other sins that we've racked up in the last three weeks. Uh, we're definitely going to be paying our debt to society and to uh, and to Sheila. And I also want to take a moment to mention uh, the adoption of uh, of uh, a new cat mascot, Suki Diggy Suki Toots, is a a, a cat that we've now got. Um, I don't know a fictitious responsibility for. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, you weren't the only one that uh, that that escaped the the ever watchful. Uh, I of, of Sheila though I sure. I had I had my own transgressions and in, mm-hmm. in that and and so for that we we shall with heads lowered in atonement take ourselves because uh, we also uh, we forgot our rig last week yeah because as we've mentioned that the the penalty box is it's like justice itself it yeah. is sometimes cumbersome and difficult to deliver right right uh, so we will definitely be uh, uh, taking a trip there shortly. So thank you very much, Sheila. Thank you, thank you. And uh, what else we got? What else we got at the bottom of the old mailbag? The well, last one we got is from our listener, Lenny. Hey, Lenny. Hello, Lenny. Who uh, who actually uh, has a great suggestion for us of uh, doing the, the the whole phenomenon of, of identical twins. And, oh, yeah. And the connection between them because he says he is one mm-hmm. and he has experienced a lot of stuff that's pretty freaky spooky. Oh, that's awesome. Um, he, got, he hit us on our Facebook, which is also totally an option oh, to yeah. you people. Um, but, uh, Lenny, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, look into that. I think we'll, we'll add that to the list because there's, there's all kinds of stuff to, to that. Yeah. And they've done a ton of actual research into yeah, that. So yeah, yeah. Let, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do, uh, on that one. And he hits us with a pun. Oh, well, of course it's only polite. He says he knows this guy. He has no problem handing out predatory loans and loves to repossess and foreclose on people who don't read the fine print. <laughs> He's called the Linderman. Oh. Linderman. <laughs> Mr. Linderman. I hear he makes great bagels. Yeah, Murray. Uh, thank you, Lenny, and uh, thank you, everybody, who wrote in. Absolutely. Got a good full pouch of mail this week. Oh, man. And and now uh, <sighs> now we have to prepare ourselves mentally for our, our incarceration. That's, that's correct. All right. Uh, I am now ready to... Begin my my brief but painful incarceration in the penalty box, and I'm decided to. First of all, we promised a penalty box. We didn't deliver it, so right. I'm 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 upping the ante, and we're going musical with this. And yeah. not only musical, but uh, Mr. Flora and I tried to find the most lyrically dense songs we could. We think we've done a good job, but yeah, you will be the judge and executioner for this. <laughs> so I have chosen. Uh, I'm going to do uh, the first couple of uh, verses of. Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> yeah, the, the Major General's song from the Pirates of Penzance. May God have mercy on my soul. Okay, I'm now in the penalty box. Shit. <laughs> I am the very model of a modern Major General. I've been information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the five, eight, six, historical. <laughs> uh, wait. From Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. 
I'm very well acquainted too with Madam's mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. Uh, about binomial theorem, I am teeming with a lot of news. With merry, cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. I can't do it faster. <laughs> I'm very good at an integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of being an immaculus. In short, in matters vegetable and animal and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. Fuck. You're welcome, society. Well done. Well done. Uh, and I have selected by the excellent band R.E.M., it's the end of the world. All right, I'm stepping in the penalty box now. I am in the penalty box right now. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes, an aeroplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Churn world serves its own needs. Demi serve your own needs. Feed it off an big grunt. No strength. The letter starts a clatter with a fifty. With fear, fight, hound, hide, wire, and a fire representing seven games of government for hire and a combat site. Left of the west and coming in a hurry with the furies breathing down your neck. Team by team reporters baffled, trumped, tethered, copped. Look at that low playing. Fine, then. Oh, oh, overflow. Population, common food, but it'll do. Save yourself, serve yourself. World serves its own needs. Listen to your heart bleed. Dummy with the rapture, I remember do to the right, right, you vitriol, like, patriotic, slam fight, bright light, like, feel like, 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 it's the end of the world as we know it, it's the end of the world as we know it, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Holy sh**. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you have it. That's it. Wow. That justice is sometimes very, very painful. And very cold. Wow. I hurt myself laughing at you. I had I have pain in my chest from trying to quiet laugh and then giving up. Thanks for, for listening. Thanks for going to iTunes. We got a, a, a couple new reviews and stuff, so thank yeah. you guys for those. Give us five stars, review on there. Go to Facebook, uh, like our page. Go to uh, YouTube, Twitter, blurry underscore photos. Stumble yep. upon, we're on there too. And uh, that's that's it. That's, that's what that. that's what happens. You this guys week. are uh, amazing. Thank you. You are wonderful. Stay warm if you live in the Midwest. For crying out loud. Mm, okay. Here here's a, a temperature check right now. Three degrees. Oh yeah. So it's, it has dropped. It's dropping. It's dropped. So for this episode of Blurry Photos, I'm the indecipherable David Stecco. So true. And I am John David Flora. Oh, nice. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> Somebody say my name. I can decipher the text for you, but instead I am just saying do the bye. <laughs> <laughs>